You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NPB teams. Hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of August 7th. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Saturday night is my buddy Jim Allen. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Kind of going back down memory lane today. <laughs> Nightmare memory lane, baby. <laughs> yeah, Amityville pretty, memory pretty lane. Pretty much uh, the garbage <laughs> The garbage in that alley needs to be taken out, let me tell you. <laughs> well, the garbage in the alley isn't the stuff in the trash can, is what you're trying to tell me. It's the, no, no. It's that's, it should the people there. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the inhabitants. All right. Well, you know, I really love this time of year because this really is a time when you look and you, maybe there are four games or five games or six games on the slate that day, but they all have such meaning. And you're trying to watch as the scores change and, you know, flip channels and get over to those games. I just love this time of year. It just seems like the Rock 10 Eagles and Lotte Marines must have kept you busy. I think I, I don't remember the last time I think I saw a lead change hands seven so, times in a game. Yeah. It looked like a it looked like a blackjack table, you know. Somebody <laughs> somebody's winning, somebody's losing, somebody's <laughs> and, and in the end it's the home team that wins. That was a great game, but that was fun. But anyway, this time of year I really, really like it. So uh, you know, I'm going crazy trying to watch all the games. It didn't it didn't make me crazy. I, I just enjoyed it for the game it was and didn't have to make you crazy. <laughs> Good. I was already there. All right. <laughs> um, that might be true. I'm I'm not one to know. <laughs> this time he's going to hold his tongue. On this week's show, we've got Botox. Bo Takahashi of Cebu is the guest. We're going to talk about the Rookie of the Year candidates, discuss Japan's inactive trade deadline. We're going to examine Hanshin's annual road trip of death and handle some high heat and some more. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. Okay, well, a few weeks ago, I was at the uh, Cebu Half Dome. <laughs> I like that. And, yeah, that's the. I know you're wonder. leaving one word off of that too. <laughs> the hyphen AS. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> now it is what it is. The roof. And <laughs> the roof life. <laughs> well, I don't know. But. <laughs> <laughs> now you got no comment. <laughs> and I was I was trying, you know, as I usually do, go to the when I'm at the ballpark. Uh, I'm looking for. I have certain players on a target list, and and sort of like the one I really wanted to talk to was Kona Takahashi, but instead I got Bo Takahashi, and it's not like I missed. You know, I got the wrong Takahashi, but he was the one who came out came by first, mm-hmm. and then just as I. I didn't recognize him, but when I saw his number on his back as he turned, I went, Bo! <laughs> and he came back, and we, we chatted, and while we were chatting, was the other Takahashi uh, walked past and away, so I'm still waiting on that one. One of the 80s rock rock star guys, yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> monthly MVP, long game number one. <laughs> okay, so uh, Bo Takahashi, uh, one thing I, I didn't mention in the interview, we talked about how about him coming to Japan and, and whatnot. And I didn't mention, because I didn't know it at the time, is that I read later that he was reportedly the first Brazilian-born player to play in KBO. Mm. He played there one season before he joined the Cebu Lions, which I wasn't aware of at the 
uh, time we were speaking, but mm. I, I, I found him to be uh, uh, completely delightful, um, very positive, fun, and uh, let's have a listen. Our guest on the Japan Baseball Weekly podcast this week is uh, Seibu Lions pitcher Bo Takahashi. Uh, nice to have you with us. No, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet it is. Now, you know, you were kind of a novelty when you came here to Japan. Is you're from Brazil, yeah? Yes, I am. Um, but you did you grow up in the states or Not your English really. is really good? Uh, I I'm born and raised in Brazil. Okay. Uh, when I was 16 years old, I signed a contract with Diamondbacks in back 2013. Okay. So I spent like maybe seven eight years with Diamondbacks system and one year with the Reds. So. Okay. That's where I kind of like learning my English over uh, there. From Sao Paulo? Uh, yes, from Sao Paulo. What a surprise. Yeah, kind of kind of like the baseball hotbed of Brazil. It is, it is. Yeah, for sure. So do you know any of the other Brazilians that are here in NPB, like uh, like Yuichi Matsumoto? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. So fun fact, like Yuichi played against my brother. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so. No, so my oh, brother didn't play like Pro Boy at oh, all, okay. but like, just back in Brazil. Oh, okay. So like I know Yuichi, I know like a couple guys kind of like from a couple years ago uh-huh. here so I'm just like glad that I'm friend with Dan you know so yeah just like share like experience from here just living and learning now one of the things coming to Japan is there's always a lot of culture shock oh, yeah. for everybody but you've been through that you've my, been through that all, all my, the time my, my whole life actually so back home we're pretty much like a Japanese okay. house like even like the food the country like everything like Science like the morning from the night, everything Japanese there. Okay. Yeah. Now, then coming to going, tell me about your journey to uh, double, well, as far as triple in Louisville. Oh, tell yeah. So uh, I started 14, uh, Ricky Ball with Downbacks. So kind of like build up, like trusting the process from like building up each level mm-hmm. so pretty much I went through all the all the levels uh, rookie ball single A short season long full season advanced A double A triple A so like it was a it was a long time but it's really worth it like like worth it the process mm-hmm. so I'm glad now I'm here I'm healthy I'm just trying to help my my team to win for sure okay tell me about the call to Japan how, how was that how did you uh, when your agent told you yeah. Yeah, the Lions yeah. are interested. What was so, your first thought? Pretty much, I really, I always want to come here playing in Japan okay. since I was a kid. Because pretty much, uh, I I grew up watching Japanese baseball as well. Right. So like like I told you before, like a couple couple times ago, my my idol was Daisuke Matsudaka. Right. Okay. So I I grew up watching him as a Seibu. Okay. So pretty much like uh, talking with the Seibu and being here in the Seibu Lions right now, it's like just a blessing. I know. Okay, were I'm you really here? happy. Were you here when he had his retirement ceremony? No, really. I was. I came uh, a year later. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah, I came a year later. Okay. Yes. And tell me, um, okay, so when you got the the call on Cebu Lions, what was your first thought? Like this is. It was just like blowing my mind. Yeah, I just blew my mind. Like I was so happy. I'm kind of like talking to my brothers, my family, and like everybody happy, and and we just cheer. And, All right. Yeah, it was like just. A really nice moment, for sure. Now, I was, I, well, weeks ago, I was, or maybe last week, I was talking with um, Gosuke Kato, who grew yeah. up in a Japanese family in America. Yes. And then he comes to Japan, he doesn't know anything. Yeah, it's crazy. So you've, you've had that experience as well. Yes, but, like, I'm luckily, like, I had a little bit back home. Okay. So pretty much, like, it wasn't, like, that too, too shocked, like, right. 
culture-wise. Right. So I'm just happy, like, my my Obachi and Jichan back home just, okay. like, taught me a lot, for sure. Do you have family here in Japan? Yes, I do. I have family back in Nagoya. Okay. I have aunts, cousins, uncles, pretty much a lot of people. You've already there. got a support network here, practically. Oh, yeah, for sure, for oh, sure. Oh, man. Yeah. That much, did, have you played in Nagoya yet? Yeah, I did last year. Okay. Yeah, the Nagoya Dome. Yeah. And, like, it was really cool, like, have my family watching me playing because... I'm pretty sure it was the first time for them like to watch me playing, so it was like really a special moment for sure. Oh, that must have been just great. Oh yeah, it was a, it was, a, it was really good. Go out and have dinner yeah. and the whole family reunion there. Uh, that year we couldn't because, oh, of, the because of the COVID. Oh, because of COVID. Yeah. Right. So unfortunately, we didn't have it there, but I hope soon. Okay. We have for sure. Yeah. Now, how uh, you came during COVID, so you really didn't get the full Japanese experience. Yes. At, yes. At the start. Um, how has that been? The full baseball, full on. Like during COVID, it was it was it was hard because we we couldn't go out. Everything right. was just pretty much like home here, home here, like mm-hmm. in the field. So, right. but this year has kind of been different. So I'm just like, when I have a chance, when I have some time off, just no Tokyo, no in Japan, and just being like really good, just like knowing more about the culture here mm-hmm. it's just really good for me like i, I love those stuff so okay yeah what's the, what what do you like best about being in japan i think the food okay yeah the food well we need to get another i need to get another question another <laughs> answer around yeah like, okay okay what's what's okay what's the thing what's the is there any food that you're just saying like okay i'm japanese but no i don't think so like even natto for me is, okay. is really Delicious. I love natto. So uh, for me, it's not delicious. But when I was in the hospital and I needed protein, okay. I, I'm taking everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like, not really. Like, I think the food-wise, for me, everything just perfect. I know. So when you okay, well now you've gone through all the the rungs in the ladder up to AAA, and yep. you're thinking next stop is MLB. But instead, it's Japan. Yeah, it's just. Was, was there any mixed feelings about that? Because you, uh, you had your eye on one target for so long. Not really, actually. Like I, I, I always want to play here in Japan. Okay. So, like me coming here to Japan, play especially for the Lions, right. like the team I, I kind of like grew up watching. Right. For me, it was just like realizing my dream too. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Okay, what kind of adjustments did you have to make? Because obviously. The hitters in America and from Latin America, yep. they grow up in a different kind of environment, and especially these lefties. Mm-hmm, you know, sure. the, the guys that are this tall and lightning just fast. Just like fighting, fighting, yeah, and just, and yeah, that bad. Yeah, yeah, every good pitch, and you're going like, just swing at the yeah. damn ball. <laughs> like, it's, it, the baseball here is really different for sure. Sure. So, like, we kind of, like, got to get adjusting real quick and kind of, like, get used to the baseball here. Right. So. Thanks God, like I had the coaches, like my teammates to help me too. So it was just like just trying attack the hitter, trying to get out, okay. getting strikeouts, and uh, just get the zeros for sure. What's the biggest adjustment then you made to I think to the, to the hitters here? Big adjustment, I think, um, it's just like those contact hitters. Right. We just try and get him out as fast as they can. Just like attack them for sure. You gotta keep like, it in the zone. Yeah, I gotta keep it in the zone for sure. Like, I can't, I, we we can't like let those those hitters get in the base too because they're fast. So just you gotta check them. Okay. Yeah. So what what's is it? A, do you have a pitch that maybe that uh, 
you didn't use as much in the States, but you used more here because of the different mix of hitters? So I actually, I always had a splitter, mm-hmm. but I think here we kind of like use more. Yeah. So it's because really effective. So I think a pitch for me, pretty good right now is splitter for sure. Yeah, yeah. well, that's the one where if, if this coach didn't throw the splitter that you, you need to throw, yeah. that coach did. Yeah, but like... It's not just clear, but like the fastball too. Like if your fastball is good, you'll be fine. You yeah. know, like we just we gotta trust the fastball. It pretty much, it's our it's our best pitch. Yeah, you know, so absolutely, we gotta trust in. Yeah, that's the thing, and, and of course the mentality. I don't know about this team, uh, but the mentality. I was taught. I talked to the pitching coaches sometimes, yep. and they're really hard pressed to change the pitcher's mentality away from the old school, which was. Don't make a mistake. Yep. Don't make a mistake. Don't make a mistake to attack the zone yep. and take your chances. We just got to, like, practice with that because we're here to get better every day. So we we just got to, like, practice, practice, and, like, make less, less mistakes. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Less mistakes. Okay. Then the last question is your first Japanese spring training. Now, you knew about it. You heard about yep. it. You saw it in the movies. How was it? Actually, I was waiting for it because... Baseball back in Brazil just like more Japanese style right. at first, so we kind of like knew how the the practice works. Right. So we just like back home, we just ran a lot, just like work out a lot, a lot of like repetition and everything. So pretty much it was. I was I was waiting for, it, but it was really long, like not long, but like really intense for sure. Sure. Yeah. And the, then there's so much more focus on team. Yeah. Doing things together. And I, and I love it. I love it. Okay. Like that's my thing. Like I'm just here to help help the team win. Okay. Yep. Thanks. So oh, much. and the last next question, the last thing I want to ask you before okay. I let you go is how about the WBC? You're going to be playing for Brazil next time? I hope. I, I hope so. Yeah, like I really I, I love to represent my country. Like yeah. I represent uh, Brazil in 16. Okay. In Brooklyn. The qualifiers are looking in uh, 2020 it happens the COVID year because right. we were about to play in Tucson, Arizona. Right. And the COVID heads is just like crazy. Right. Oh, I was I was uh, covering the Brazil team in 2013. Oh, really? In, in Fukuoka. In, in Fukuoka? Nice. And That's it amazing. was wild. And I'll tell you that uh, uh, um, Barry, Larkin? Barry Larkin, he yep. was tremendous. Yeah, like we had a like, even last, uh, this last time we had a like awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, uh, Sam Philly was our manager. Okay. And we got Latroy Hawks as his pitching coach. Uh, 16, we had Barry, Sam Philly, and Latroy Hawks as well. So, like, wow. those guys. I was tremendous. so looking forward to seeing you guys in Japan. Like instead, instead, it's somebody else. <laughs> it's all good. Like, that's baseball, though. That's baseball. That is. Okay. I, I, I'm just happy, like, the base is just growing up, like, all, all around the world. So, I'm just. Okay, well then, what was your response, your feeling of watching the WBC this time then? Was it, it must have been kind of an out-of-body experience, you know, you play against these guys. Yeah, yeah, like, it, it was amazing, actually. Like, you see Team Japan won the the whole thing against USA, especially the final game, just, like, I was just enjoying the game. Were you watching the Mexico game here with your teammates? Oh, yeah, I was, for sure. When, uh... Rakami got the walk-off double. Yeah. It was amazing. Like everybody just, just happy. It's just, it was, it's just crazy. It, it was, was crazy special. Experience. Yeah. It okay. Was really well, thank you very much, and My hope pleasure. to have you on again. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, Bo. Bo knows lots of things, <laughs> and he should. And he <laughs> He's talks a professional. too. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, uh, what would you like to uh, take 
take from or what did you take from that? Well, what an absolute joy. I mean, I, I hope listeners are appreciating the quality of players and people the Sable Lions have brought in over the past, I don't know, five, six seasons. The, the time that we've, I mean, the time that we've been doing interviews with a lot of the Lions players, it just seems like they're just such great people, first of all. And then uh, whatever they do on the field, they do on the field, but the, they're quality people. And this was, I mean, you know, it's interviews and stories like these that make me want to cheer for a lot of the Cebu players because mm. you just, I mean, it's not like he gave us uh, a lot of insight or anything. It's just the whole tone of the interview and how appreciative he is of being able to pitch here in Japan. And you hear about a guy whose dream it is to pitch in MPV and he lives in another country, but he's got Japanese heritage. So he comes about it honestly, right? It's not like, well, I couldn't make it over in the States, so I'm going to come over here. No, his dream. And, and of course, had he been able to pitch in the States, I'm sure that would have been part of his plan. But his destination, at some point, he wanted to pitch in Japan. It's not mm. like, you know, it was an alternative plan. It was, that's the plan. And whatever else happens along the way happens along the way. So if I get a job in MLB, I'll pitch there. But I want to pitch in Japan. And that's that's part of my heritage. And you hear him talking about how they spoke Japanese at home and it was all about eating Japanese food and being Japanese and that he wanted to come and pitch here. And so him pitching in Nagoya Dome and taking that mound. I mean, I was excited for him just listening, you know, because I couldn't imagine what it must have been like to have that much of his family there. And if he Mm. has relatives who still live there, it's easy for them to get to the dome and go to the game and it's a huge dome. The team was the dragons were pretty bad. So he was able to get a lot of tickets and provide that. I was just, I was just so excited just hearing all that stuff. And so what a memorable experience, what a great journey. Uh, mm. and, and to have it happen in my city in Nagoya. And mm. I, I wish I could have been there. <laughs> I know you would have been, you would have adopted his family <laughs> or, and vice versa. Probably mm. I would have said, Hey, do you know about this place? And Hey, do you know to do this? And, uh, you know, oh man, it must have been great. So what a wonderful story. Uh, that was all that was that that's all I took away from this one, basically, because I was just so excited and thrilled <laughs> to hear that whole that journey. It's like it's almost like he took us along with him for a short time. Uh just like you get on a ride at 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 an amusement park or something and you enjoy the heck out of it for that two minutes and then and then you get off and you go about your business. But he certainly took us on a journey there. I, I loved it. It did and I I was uh the the big thing I took away from this is how how great it is that baseball is becoming more and more inclusive and globalized. Mm-hmm. This idea of, you know, these I mean and of course now baseball in Brazil is is not it used to be basically a Japanese, a second and third generation Japanese thing in Sao Paulo. Mm-hmm. And more and more we've got you know, guys from, you know, all all different kind of uh, ethnic groups playing baseball in Brazil. I mean, I, we've seen that, obviously, in Japan and in the United States. So I think that's great. And I do have good memories of them playing here in Fukuoka in 2013 under with Barry Larkin as their manager, who I was absolutely enamored of. He told me lots of great stories and you know, he told me his plans for Brazil, and they played really good baseball. They very nearly qualified for the. They couldn't quite get the the 
you know, the big hit when they needed that was going to send them to the quarterfinals, but it was really fun. So, yeah, hearing about that and then hearing uh, lots of other things. But the things, I guess the two things that really, uh, in addition to the globalization thing, the other two points uh, that I would want to bring up, the bit about the fastball, you know. So three things. One is the fastball. It's your best pitch. I'm thinking, oh, this guy is so Amer- minor league Americanized. Mm. You, know, you know, it's like it's like when you go, it's like being in Marine boot camp. You know, this is your rifle, you know, this is your fastball. It's your best pitch. You know, it's a mantra kind of thing. Even if it's not your best pitch, it's your best pitch. But I, I certainly understand the philosophy. And in Japan, it's it's not necessarily uh, the philosophy. But uh, no, I thought I liked that part. And the other one was spring training. He was mm-hmm. so looking forward to spring tra- training, you know, like, I hey, couldn't wait. And then I'm going, he's going. Because it was, you know, it was the real thing and not the Brazilian uh, version of Japanese spring training. Uh. So I I thought that was fun. And of course, uh, I know uh, Yuichi Matsumoto, um, who's just Yuichi now. When I first met him was Daniel Matsumoto. That was a blast (laughs) from the past to hear that name. Yeah, yeah, well, you see him on TV if you watch... uh, swallows games because he's their batting coach now but uh yeah he's he's a he's a very good guy and uh first met him when he was 18 and coming over here and knew very little about japan but yeah it's it's just a wonderful story and i was i was thrilled you know listening to hear him talk about dreaming to play to play for the seibu lions and dreaming to play for the team the dice game matsuzaka pitched for and, and it reminded me, and I, I guess I'm going to add a couple. It reminded me so much about uh, Gosuke Kato mm-hmm. because you know he of grew up fighters, watching. Yeah. yeah, because he grew up wa- focusing on the Japanese players. So for him to to play against, you know, play in Japan was like a na- also a natural for him, even though that wasn't his plan. And the other thing is, I, I just wanted to make a make a, a allusion to the difference between. Carter Stewart Jr.'s transition to Japan and Bo Takahashi's, you know, because they had the Bo Takahashi got all the stuff that Carter Stewart kind of said he wished he'd had going through all the levels and, Uh. you know, and, you know, learning the ropes bit by bit. And, you know, and he credits that with being the pitcher he is. And Carter Stewart really didn't have that advantage, you know, good and bad. He didn't have it. You know, he skipped some of the intermediate steps that weren't necessary. But mm-hmm. he probably, but you know, in his uh, the way he put it, he skipped some of the steps that that were necessary. So anyway, so that was all I thought quite fun. You know, there's there's many roads, there's many ways to get where you are. So yeah, well, and you did this interview what three weeks ago almost? About yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we've had them stacked up, and and it's good, and and we like doing that. But this one didn't lose any luster at all, uh, having stayed on the on the on the shelf so to speak and and it was just fantastic it was gold i I really enjoyed the whole thing from from first word yeah and hearing him talk about matsuzaka as his hero and thinking geez i remember that guy that little that young pitcher on the mound at koshian you know pitching his team to the chubby little this guy he got some pumpkin cheeks on him but he was he's fine i mean you know just doing so well in in his great career and then how it ended you know how i was calling him names and not 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 referring to him in the most positive light as he 
ducked out of well not ducked out but i mean you remember he had a he had contact with a fan so he bumped into a fan and got injured and and he just kind of bowed out uh, not not that kid you know as as mm. someone who had gone through uh like a war horse and had uh had walked so many miles and was just exhausted and and was done but he got the most out of his career for sure but yeah just hearing that conjured up all those memories so it was it was really a good interview and a really like i said a, a fun journey it was a good ride definitely mm. a good ride oh yeah all right so let's make a two-seam transition and i was sitting around thinking recently that we had not talked about the rookies who are possibly up for rookie of the year this year so that we should probably do that and um one of the reasons i did that was because of shunpei yamashita the pitcher with the oryx buffaloes because i thought man he's he's really blowing away the competition i can't even think of other players so this is this is a tough a tough uh assignment i thought but then i thought about the central league and i thought th there aren't many rookies there's no player like shugo maki's rookie year or nobody like munetaka murakami of the yakult swallows and or koji chikamoto of the hunching tigers making a a, a big run so who are the guys so i thought we should talk about that and bring it up and just look and see how they're doing so uh, I have been going first in most of these things, but uh, I do want you to remind the listeners the criteria to be considered a rookie. And for me, I thought it was three years, no more than three years, but you're shaking your head. So you could be a fifth year player, right? And fifth year player, uh, five seasons on a standard NPB contract. So if you're on a developmental contract, you know, if you're drafted, and then released, as a lot of teams do, when guys get hurt or guys don't pan out straight away, they'll release them and then re-sign them as non-roster developmental guys. Mm -hmm. Those years don't count. Why so, would they? <laughs> well, they're not real. <laughs> well, they are very real. But no, no, no. They, I mean, they're not real in the sense that you're not you're not basically playing a lot of. You're not regularly playing on the farm, right? Or you could be. Well, you could be, but you, you can't play be, on the first team. You're not eligible. Yeah, but, but yeah, interesting. All okay. right. And then so, what is it? What's the number of games for overall? It's not games. It's plate appearances and innings pitched. Okay. What are they? Uh, 60 plate appearances on, on the, the top first team. team. Mm -hmm. Yep. So as soon as you get to 61, you're no longer eligible. Okay. And we had, a, we had a rookie of the year a few years back from the Rock 10 Eagles plate who they stopped his season the year before when he got the 60 plate appearances you so there would, so boss wants would, to see you <laughs> yeah we have high hopes for you but not this year so you know go back to the farm and and he won the rookie of the year kazuki tanaka yeah so yeah so that happened so it's 60 plate appearances or 30 innings pitched that's your maximum uh through your first five seasons of uh, first team baseball, oh, yeah, excuse that, me, not first team baseball. Your first five seasons on a on a full NPB contract. Yeah, and that throws people off. And I, when I do the the Pacific League YouTube channel stuff, I always write, you know, fourth year rookie, and I, and I always think that that's going to trip some people up. But I won't because I don't have time in the two sentences that I put in the description. I don't have time to explain it. But I, you know, fourth year it, pro but still considered a rookie so it I, does I, it does trip people up especially because the japanese media uses the same word for rookie and first year player correct yeah 
and the first year player is is always a rookie and and they make up these records <laughs> so famously teraki sato they were saying had the had the record for you know since they're the same word they were saying he had the rookie record for left home runs by a left-handed hitter and and it was 19 and i'm saying hold us a second Minitaka Murakami won the rookie of the year and he hit 32 or something. And I'm going, oh, they're they they're doing what they do when they want a headline. <laughs> they they scrape the they scrape the record, they cut out parts of it, they they narrow down the field like the one you know they did with uh, Tomoyuki Sagano to give him a consecutive win record. Yeah, they you know ESPN does it all the time. You know, they're, they're just, they? he's the first player to hit you know six home runs on a Sunday at night. You know, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, they, right? It's a record. <laughs> well, I'll bet it was a record if he had six home runs on on a Sunday. That probably that was pretty special. <laughs> so anyway, so that's how we're getting into this. So uh, you want to start it in the Pacific or the Central? Well, let's start in the Central League because that's the way they are on my notes. And I have I have two candidates. I have two really solid candidates in the Central League. Shoki Murakami, the Hanshin Tigers pitcher, who was one of these. Both of these guys are not first-year players. In fact, none of the guys I have listed are first-year players. Yeah, is, that's... But, and surprisingly enough, people are talking about them as Rookies of the Year, which is unusual because typically they only want to talk about first year players but, but there is none out there well no no they're not they're not there they're just not candidates to win the award well that's you what know? i mean yeah they're... yeah shota shota morishta um, uh, uh, hanshin oh, tigers, hanshin tigers. Terrific, terrific player but he ain't gonna win no awards well terrific player for this month he hasn't really been all season but no, it doesn't exactly. matter yeah it doesn't matter if he has a great second half of the season they're gonna throw him in there and they're going to say, well, he's the real rookie because it's his actual first well, year. You know, and, you know, if, <laughs> if, if Shumpei if Yamashita, you know, stops dead in his tracks with nine wins, uh, Carter Stewart Jr. might be rookie of the year this year. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. But uh, in the Central League, I've got Shoki Murakami, Hanshin Tigers pitcher, who was the ERA leader. He He led the Western League in a whole bunch of categories the last two years. Yes. But he got his... Um, he got his behind smacked at Cebu, uh, Cebu Half Dome a couple of years ago, and he basically they wouldn't let him pitch on the first team after that. And then uh, the other guy I I have as a candidate is outfielder Yuto Akihiro of the Omiuri Giants, which is a, a very I mean these two guys are the only ones who really are standing out. Yeah, and and, and like I said, you really had to dig around to find. And I was digging around, I was doing my typical thing on the internet. Jim has this database. I use all the resources out there I can find via search. And mm -hmm. I found this absolutely drop dead, bang up page on the internet that has all the rookies for this season listed. And it even ranks some of them, but uh, mm -hmm. it's just fantastic. But I didn't need it because I knew in the Central League that these were the only two guys. And you mentioned Maurice well, there is well. another there is another guy who's actually played quite well, but not quite up to that level. And I think I know what you're going to say, and it's uh, and I, Hidetaka Namiki of the Yakult Swallows. Oh, actually, no, no, because but, I didn't really. I, no, well, he's played fine, but the guy actually who's, who's done better than that is uh, Hiroki Fukunaga of the Chinichi Dragons. Really? Yep. 
Really? I don't think so. I don't think he has had the impact because Namiki has been leading off and he has, he has been really productive and uh, starting the games off well. I think Hukunaga has played sparingly well, here and there. He started out early on playing well, a lot, but in recent, yeah, in, well, in, I would say the past. He's got close to 300 plate appearances, which is twice as what Namiki's got. And if you're only, you know, you know, again, if, but their, their numbers are similar. The similar, difference yeah. being that, um, Namiki is a base stealer. Yes, but yes. essentially, they're otherwise uh, offensively their their numbers are very similar. I can't really speak to their um, overall quality. Other than that, there's there's a couple of guys who've had you know um, flashes flashes. Really, that those are the guys because of the because of the chances that they've been playing. I mean, the, how well they've played and and how much they've played. Yeah, I, I I have to agree, and and uh, yeah, I, I, Kunaga. I know that he had some good numbers, and I saw him on the list, but I thought, mm, I don't know. He started out getting a lot of play time. He's on the grass a lot, and then in recent uh, weeks, not so much. Maybe the past six weeks or so, really sparingly has been used, and maybe in some pinch hitting spots. And but again, the pitchers, there was a. I don't see anybody else. Yeah. So there's a there's a player that the Dragons had. I can't remember what round he was drafted in. I, I'll look it up as we're speaking. But Mikia Tanaka and he broke his arm or something in the spring and hasn't had any time. Uh, you know he's out for the year. He, he didn't even break his arm. Something happened. He blew out a blew out a something shoulder or uh, elbow or something like that. But he's gone for the season and he's not going to play. But he was having a really good exhibition season and it looked like. Uh, in fact, I remember uh, seeing a story that the the Dragons could start uh, two rookies, possibly at, in the middle of the infield. It was going to be Tanaka and Fukunaga, and Tanaka got injured, so they brought back uh, uh, Luku Suchida to play short, mm-hmm. and they figured they'd rely on him. And he's just been as as unreliable with the bat as you could imagine, but uh, he's a decent defensive player but anyway but, but a lot of but you know having said that there's a lot of guys who a lot of i i find when i'm writing about games it's rookie rookie you know this this rookie had a big game and that rookie had a big game and i'm remarkable how many guys okay they're not regulars but how many rookies have have had not bad seasons you know i mean you you go okay this guy's gonna has a chance to take a step forward and i I see lots of them, so I'm. I I thought, wow, this is going to be really hard, you know, separating the wheat from the chaff with this. But, but again, if you're if you're going by guys who've really played, played a lot, and have not not uh, done too badly, then it's a pretty small field because it's that true. first one, it's, it's very hard to find rookies who play, you know, who've got uh, two hundred plus at bats by the end of July. Yeah. I've seen the same thing as you have, but and I just noticed that it has been, you know, if you're a rookie and you're playing with the fighters, you're going to play two or three times a week, maybe. But the manager isn't going to put you in full time. And if you're playing with certain teams, you just you get shots and 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 then you're out uh, or you're filling in or even if you do well, you're still sitting down because you're behind a veteran. So I've seen the same thing. But um, but I did want to talk about Akihiro because of the Giants. He really. Mm-hmm has done a really good job of managing his swing and learning how to handle his swing. And I think we mentioned it in the interview when I talked to uh, Zealous Wheeler earlier this season, and he mentioned 
in in very few words as taciturn as uh, <laughs> zealous can be. But uh, I, I just think that this kid has done a great job of learning how to be more consistent throughout that swing, shorten it up, uh, hit different kinds of pitches, you know, make sure that he's hitting inside, he's hitting outside, he's hitting pitches that are low, he's hitting pitches high. So he's hitting in all parts of the zone and outside the zone if he can get the bat on it, uh, which he can cover a lot of the plate, obviously, with his height. Uh what is he six seven yeah. feet? Yeah, but he's he's also got a strike zone the size of New Hampshire, so which know. is the problem, and, and it, hap- it you know it, it it hurts him, but he has just really been more consistent, and mm. I see him being more oh, consistent throughout and, the, and the season, getting better. I mean, he's yeah, got his, he's got his swing down, and and he's he knows what he's doing at the plate. So, and that's you know that's really what you want to see is a guy who's doing what he's capable of. And so, yeah, with all that, I think Shoki, obviously Murakami had this uh, great start, had the near perfect game and all that. But uh, if Akihiro is able to stay consistent, I think he he, he might be able to take this award home. So he, he oh, my sure, yeah. sure. Also, the voting, Akihiro wins 10 games. There's pretty much no way anybody else is going to win Rookie of the Year because the guy's a pitcher who won 10 games. You know, it doesn't matter if the Tigers scored, you know, every one of those games, the Tigers got uh, the Tigers won, you know, 15 to 12. <laughs> and he gave up five runs a game. If he won 10 games and had a 4. you know, 4.8 ERA, they'd go, wow, give him the rookie of the year. He's something special. Yes, I know. That's because that's what they do. They, it's the least path, the, the path of least resistance and the, the easiest, sexiest numbers they can find. And then that guy's the best. <laughs> automatically yeah there's not okay. a lot of research but uh i do like what i think uh shota morista hanshin looks like he might be the best of all these guys all these position players be. and uh i just think he got a late start and he could finish if he finishes strong he might be able to um, nudge his way up there at the top to the top he might get well he'll get some votes because you know there's a hanshin beat writer who wants to tell him hey i voted for you for as rookie of the year not only that, but they're they're winning and they they won again today and they they clinched this, this series true. with the this base stars true. and they're pulling away in this race. So I, I think the more you do that, the the higher the probability that the lazy media media picks you just because you're standing out and uh, on a standout team. But again, he he's he's really producing here. He's helping the team win. He's helping them down during this stretch. So you wouldn't come by it easily, but. Uh, yeah, I, I still like Akihiro for the award, and uh, we'll see how that goes. What about in the Pacific League? I've got really only one. There is only one, <laughs> and we the already one and it. only Shumpeta Yamashita. Yeah, and, and he was brilliant. I, I love him. I just love. I didn't see him. I didn't see his pitching. I was actually paying more attention to Tatsuya Tatsuya Yamai tonight. Yeah, uh, because well, for another reason, which we'll get to later, but. I was, yeah, I didn't get to see him, but I, every time I watch, almost every time I watch him, I'm just impressed by uh, his stuff and his poise. In, a, in the same way, I was impressed by Shoki Murakami's poise in the first half of the season, because here's a guy who doesn't have that big 95-mile-an-hour uh, fastball, but he had poise coming out of his socks. You know, <laughs> he, he just, like, knew... Whoa, dude. Whoa, bro, you're leaking. <laughs> well, yeah, he certainly had a surplus. And now, of course, people are, are used to what he's throwing. And now, okay, well, he's going to throw me this. He's going to throw me that. And then he's, okay, look out for that. You know, this is coming. 
you know, down the, you know, down Broadway. But he picked people apart in the first half of the season and he's got adjustments, but he's so calm and so and he's got such a nice repeatable motion. I like it. But on the other hand, Yamashita's got he's got a good he's got he does have the 90 mile an hour fastball to go with that. That nasty curve. That curveball. Uh, that's that curveball is absolutely the best. I I, I think it's the best curveball in Japan right now. Yeah, he turned then, a lot of batters tonight into frozen pizza up there. They were just like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that's something. That is a hammer. I mean, I, I think, you know, if if this was a typical, if this was a Japanese college team, you know, where uh, the, the upperclassmen will beat up the freshmen if mm-hmm. they show them up, uh-huh. I mean... Yoshinobu yeah. Yamamoto would be taking him out to the taking him out, <laughs> whacking him because he's saying, "You how dare you throw that curveball around me? People will think it's better than mine." <laughs> yeah, the, it, it's fun to watch those two, you know, pitch on their and take their turns because they their motions are different, but their approaches are similar, mm. and that oh, yeah. they'll throw you that off speed pitch when you know you're not expecting it or you'd like well the, you know i know he's not going to throw it now and boom <laughs> he drops yeah, well, it on you well yamamoto is one of the it was one of the guys of course he had i think last year i graded this curveball as the best one in japan i don't know if it was the best one but it was the best of of people who threw it a lot mm-hmm. and you know he would throw that thing with three you know three balls on the count <laughs> and i'm going like nobody does that <laughs> except him <laughs> yeah, M- yeah mind you he doesn't get to three balls a lot in too many counts so that's another that's another yeah. is a sample size issue there but right but i i did i mean this thing is pretty much over uh i think you must have got his so. yeah his ninth win today yep and um but there are some other players out there one is uh his teammate uh yep. tokumasa chano yep like uh, an infielder who started as a developmental player and made the opening day roster and has been having you know he's he has high numbers if you just look at the average but they put him in in good positions to succeed they don't play him every day he gets a few days here and there and he produces and he won him a game the other day had a walk-off hit to win him a game so he's doing well i don't think he's going to finish very high in the voting at all but he's up there uh and then right-hander Kosei Shoji of Rakuten is doing well this year, and he has. He's, well, he's he's begun to do well. Well, I mean, he had some moments early on too uh, when he started to pitch. I don't think he started to pitch uh, with the team from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't look at his numbers, but uh, no, but he's made it. He's definitely made some adjustments because I I keep watching him, and I think every time I watch him, he looks better. Yes, yeah, he's really getting to be able to control the game. You mm-hmm. know, he doesn't look like he's rushed. He knows what he wants to do. Uh, and he's trying to execute the pitch, pitches. And he, even if he gets into trouble or gets uh, runs, uh, a run scored on him, I shouldn't say runs, but he's got an inning where he has some trouble and gives up a run. He still manages to make his pitches and get out of the, you know, he's not getting saved by fantastic defensive plays a lot. He he is making good pitches and getting out of trouble so i I mean again just an honorable mention Uh, he's it's not like he's gonna win the award i think it's all 
with Yamashita so far, but um, no, not with a one and three record. They'll they'll write him off as you know yesterday's news, pretty much. True, true, and of course, most of that is because. On the other hand, they'll say, the "Wait, team, but he's yeah. a first year player. Doesn't he get extra points for that?" Yeah, <laughs> but his first game was May seventh, so he didn't actually start right away with the team. Didn't pitch in April, obviously. So um, that that that's why I think you said of late, but I, I think he has pitched very well for a rookie uh, and consistently uh, right around six innings, almost averaging about six, to, six innings a start. Which is I didn't good. mention it in the Central League, but actually one of my, my favorite names in Japanese baseball is a rookie who is uh, the Dragons first round draft signing from last year because I, I have to fight the urge to call him Rea Naka Cheesecake Rea Nakachi Oh, <laughs> but I, I can't. There's nothing, nothing rare except cheesecake in Japan. Mm, yeah, you, that that one didn't. No, nope. Sorry, not <laughs> said said the guy who thinks cocktail is a good uh, nickname. So okay, well we'll. Take oh, you that. mean for for kamichatani? Yeah. Well, the, it sounds like a drink, but I wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a. Yeah, it wasn't a play on his name, like rare. <laughs> but yeah, I see what you're trying to do, but I don't think it makes it. All right, let's make a four-seam transition. <laughs> I know where you want to go, but you, that car is not going to get you there. Uh, Hashtag hi. <laughs> I don't drive, dude. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So It's a good thing for traffic safety. <laughs> okay. So uh, you and I have talked about this. In fact, I mentioned it before and made it seem like fact. But the Hanshin Tigers go out on this road trip of death. I think who who coined that phrase? Was it you who said that? No, well, no, 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 no. It's a. I, I can't Shin, remember. The Shino Road is a, is an old timey Hanshin Tigers uh, bugbear. And if if any of you listeners are like old time fan, I know there's a few of you old time fans of the San Francisco Giants. It was equivalent. It was the Hanshin Tigers version of the June swoon. Okay. <laughs> June swoon was a San Francisco Giants thing where they traditionally collapsed in June. Gotcha. All right. So, uh, I, like I said, I've talked about it like it was fact. I think I mentioned on, on the previous show that it seems like they're not a second half team. I talked to a Hanshin fan long time ago it was 1995 i remember it like it was yesterday and this at our age it was yesterday whom i met in nagoya a big hanshin fan and he said well they can have as great a start as they want to they always seem to fall apart in the second half particularly in august when koshien starts and they have to vacate their home stadium and travel around and play these games and then uh, I can't remember what is late 19. When was Kyosara Dome finished? Uh, it was 1997. 97. Okay. So Kyosara Dome came along in 1997, gave the Tigers an option instead of having to travel and play all their games away. They could play some of their home games in the city of Osaka at Kyosara Dome. Indoors. Indoors in as, re- that's, as well. That, that that's is, a big I think, key. The- Yes. I think that is the thing. Yes. And so uh, I I said to Jim the other day, hey, uh, let's see if this road trip of death is really still a thing. Because I remember in 1995, it certainly was. Mm. And uh, 
No, I don't, I can't say that in 1995 it was. Well, yeah, the it, thing to remember it, about this. But during that era, it was. Right. The thing to remember about this is we're going to give you some numbers, but they're, it's just an average number of the period of time, not a snapshot of each year. Yeah, so during I, this period, you could have some years where it wasn't necessarily true, or there's some some oh, somewhat sure. worse, somewhat worse than the, the numbers might say. But we were just given the average of a certain period. But the numbers seemed to back early on what was happening. And and anyway, why don't you give them? So you did the research and set up how you did your research and and how yeah, you're going to present okay, these numbers. I, okay, I have a I have a record of the scores and home runs hit and innings pitched in every Japanese game, every every Japanese professional baseball game mm -hmm. uh, since 1936. And starting from 1950, I decided just to start from 1950 because I didn't want to dig back farther when things were different and everybody was playing everywhere and it was very confusing. Actually, 19, to be fair, 1950 was also pretty haphazard because there were only a couple of stadiums. There were very few big stadiums. But anyway, I broke it down to basically three periods. And the first is 1950 to 1987. At a time in from in those years, there were no domed stadiums in Japan. Okay. Okay. So all the games are outdoors in August when it's blistering hot. Mm. Okay. 1988 to 1996, we had one dome stadium, Tokyo Ugly Dome. <laughs> And and then from 1997 to 20 to to the present, we had a number of dome stadiums. But most importantly, as John mentioned, there was uh, Osaka Dome was built in 1997 as the home of the Kintetsu Buffaloes, and the Hanshin Tigers use uh, Osaka Dome for their games in Mar uh, March, the first week of April, last week of March and the first week of April, uh, when the spring high school invitational tournament is taking place in their home park, Koshan Stadium. And they also play their home games in in uh, the middle of August at Koshan, at, okay. uh, at uh, Osaka Dome. They used to have to play at Nishinomiya Stadium, or they would play at uh, what's the the park? I forget in 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 Kyoto. They played there sometimes. Motomoto Field, Kobe. Well, no, yeah, I they didn't play there. Yeah. No, they did play there. They might have played there a couple of years just before Osaka Dome was built. That's kind of a newer park. Okay, but but they played they played in these different venues, and then they played. They they played very few uh, home games during during that time. Uh, they played about twice as many road games. Oh, actually, uh, they played about about four times as many road. They play typically about four times as many road games as they play uh, home games that aren't at Koshien. Really, so that makes it inherently difficult, more difficult sure. to have a good record or, or sure. a winning record. Okay, but on the other hand, think about it this way: until 1996, they were playing those home games outdoors, and they were playing their road games outdoors, except for Tokyo, uh, Tokyo. So something changed as soon as they in this and I'm going to include Nagoya Dome in here because now they've got two venues where they've got road games that are indoors mm -hmm. and they've got their home venue that's indoors and it looks like 
that was really a big thing because from 1950 to 1987, they were worse at home in their home game. They were worse in their home games, August home games that weren't at Koshien than they were at Koshien the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they were worse in their road games in August than they were in their road games the rest of the year. Okay. And this continued. They were about a half a game worse a year in, in those games in August, in those uh, two to three, I guess about three weeks in the middle of August. So that's between 1950 and 1987. That was. And it carried basically. on from 1988 to 1996. It did not change. Yeah. It went well. It went. It actually got worse a little bit, but we're not talking a lot of games, but it is about a half a game a year. And then suddenly, as soon as there were all these domes popping up, you know what happened? They got better in August than they are the rest of the year. So it, it was the road trip of death, and now it's the road trip of second wind. <laughs> and they got almost almost a full game better. Uh, you want to push it? A, a, well, I mean, no, no three actually, they're, of about, a game. they're winning about it. They're winning now about a about a fifth of a game more a year in those August games away from Koshien than they than they do the rest of the season in their other road games and their other uh, games at Koshien. Okay. Which All is, right. you know, it's not a lot of games, too. I mean, we're not talking about a ton of games. It's, uh, you know, it's like three. Yeah. And and I said to Jim, I said, well, three, that could be if you, if you imagine if you get three series where you have a rubber game and you lose three of them, that's three series losses. Mm. And that, I mean, that makes most, it easy to to contextualize, I suppose. Most of that improvement is uh, the winning percentage actually did increase a bit at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those home games at Kyocera Dome, they are at uh, Osaka Dome. There, they have a five sixty three winning percentage. And during since nineteen ninety seven, their winning percentage at Koshien is uh, five forty. Mm-hmm. So they're better, you know, they're just better all the way around. Yeah. I, so... I think another, and I think another thing is too, is the Tigers have probably had to manage because of the road trip of death. They have kind of had to manage their pitchers better in August than every other team. They've had to work on not, not uh, burning them out because of the heat. Sure. And because, the, because and, and because they're funny. never at home and the players are on the road. Uh, they're pretty much on the road for about two, more or less two weeks straight. Right. With the Koshien and, tournament going on. Although yeah. all teams, although a lot of the Japanese teams have that uh, problem. The Giants also have a problem. They don't, you know, they lose Tokyo Dome because of the big uh, uh, corporate league tournament uh, at the end of July. So it happens. It, every team kind of has one of those little things because most of these the main stadiums are used to host high school baseball tournaments and corporate league tournaments too. All right, so it, yeah, it's not a total collapse. They haven't been No, they're, yeah, it's, they're, it's, they're playing it's, okay. It's something it's something that has helped them yeah. actually since yes. uh, since the domes have have showed up. Yeah. So 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 it's not really I mean I don't know that I said it was a collapse. I just said that they're they're probably not a second half team. Uh, I still wouldn't classify this as a second half, you know, team if you're three wins better. But you know, again, you put those. We're only talking th- about three. I mean, we're basically we're three, talking yeah. about three. Yeah, about three weeks. Yeah. 
in which they they play usually three home games and about nine um nine to twelve road games. Sure, sure. If they're not rained out or <laughs> whatever happens. But interesting. Those are good those are good to know. And the other thing is, yeah, they're playing their they're not only are they not playing their those home games outdoors, they're not playing them at Koshian, which is brutal in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, give that to the high school kids. Let them go swelter. We're gonna we're gonna play indoors, guys. Yeah, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. All right, uh, awesome. Thank you for that, and and thank you for doing that homework, and really appreciate it. Uh, let's You're make welcome, a, teacher. Let's make a one seam transition and discuss trade secrets. So there is a trade line in NPB. It's kind of late. It's later than the it's major. The same now. It's oh, same. it's the same now? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. They have a trade deadline in Japan and is now July 31st. And in a in it used to be uh, the end of June, but they changed it for some reason. And afterwards they said, okay, let's see. MLB does it uh, the end of July. Let's do it the end of July too. So they just kept it. Yeah. And I have to be honest, the email that I used it was a junk one of the junk addresses that I would you know if you had to fill out a form and put an email address down I would put that one down and so I killed that that account and I've not changed my account so all the email transmissions that I get from NPB go unread <laughs> so I don't get all those things so I, I really have to keep up with it but yes uh, anyway, so the deadline has gone by, but there aren't a lot of trades in MPV that take no. place among the teams. And whether they're in the midst of these uh, sucky depths of the funky funk like the the dragons and the fighters seem to be in. And I will include the Swallows because they've been pretty bad in terms of wins and losses, although they're exciting to watch. Uh, or, or a team that's buzzing around the outside, you know, with outside chances to win a pennant like Hiroshima or Chiba these teams don't make a lot of moves among each other during the season. And we did see some trades, but they're not major. There's no block busting. There's no, there's no major drop dead jaw dropping no. trades that take place. It's just, not. You know, they're just shuffling chairs on a, I wouldn't say a Titanic. It's just, no. sometimes it's just a yacht. <laughs> so nah, it's more like, it's, it's more like, I don't know. A rowboat taking, for the dragons, right? Nah, a it's more like taking the middle, your middle initial off your mailbox, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's a meaningless, I won't, they're not meaningless, but I, there's a, there's a whole different philosophy that teams are not willing to trade prospects for frontline talent so they can, you know, get to the Japan series and win the Japan series. It just essentially never happens. But, you know, I'm fine with that. Okay. I, as a fan, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to see the quality players on my team leave uh, when they still have some, let's say, some productive years ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to be playing, let's say, the Dragons give a, a quality player to the Hiroshima Carp to help them in their push because they're close. and now for the next two or three seasons, that player is going to essentially punish the dragons in a lot more situations than I would like to see. So I, I don't want to see that. I think, I don't know, I, my philosophy, and I know we've talked about this way, way back in the before time on the show. And uh, you talked about uh, players as as uh, as pieces. And as I believe you talked about players as pieces and uh, how and how the teams market those players and they don't mm. want to trade them. And and I always thought of them as yeah the, the, those are not just the faces faces of the team but they are the team 
Um, they are. And I, I, I actually, I kind of understood something because, I, as I mentioned, my my Japanese teacher brought up this topic because we were she she's like many I I think about half the women in Japan she's currently obsessed with Shohei Otani. <laughs> half might be an understatement. Yeah. Uh, it's I have a I live with a super fan now. Oh yeah, and did we mention he's good looking as well as uh, the superstar player? For, who's yeah, making... I, I I hear about that. Yeah, yeah I've, okay. I've heard that. Yeah, you gotta throw that in. <laughs> yeah, and and he was super cute in high school too. And it's unfortunate that he's no longer as cute as he was in high school. You know, I, I whatever. I get it. I, get <laughs> I, I, I gotta get wipe it. my computer off after that. I know. <laughs> Hashtag high heat. Tell me about it. Okay, so anyway. Um, talking about all this stuff about the trade and i was explaining this to these various uh sort of otani super fans i know who are not familiar with mlb rules and you know and the business practices but know only japan where trades don't happen and so it occurred to me you know a there is a difference but why there's a difference and it occurred to me uh, when I was discussing it, that there's something I hadn't thought of before, and that is just the nature—the nature of Japanese society makes it hard to trade players during a season. And it's because, like you said, these players aren't parts of the team; they are the team. And in Japan uh, group group dynamics in Japanese society are incredibly. Uh, they have lives of their own. <laughs> Groups, a group in Japan is formed to do something, but it, unlike, uh, and I'll, 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 I'll say this, when I came to Japan, I had a completely, people said Japan's a group-oriented society, and I didn't have, and I said, oh, groups, I understand groups, you know, there's like 10 people come together to do a task. And then when the task is over, they they disappear. And it's kind of a democratic, it's like a circle. Okay, somebody may be in charge of ordering how the circle goes, but pretty much everybody has input. And then they do something and then they go away. And I thought, okay, that's how Japan is. <laughs> I, was, I lived in Japan about, I don't know, six or seven years before I realized that couldn't you know that's the that's the dark matter version of group society it doesn't exist in japanese society <laughs> japanese uh, groups are pyramids mm -hmm. in which uh every but and they're and they have their they they have infinite lifespans and you're forever identified with every group you've ever belonged to so we have You'll, you'll see if you have Japanese friends, they'll tell you that they went to their elementary school reunions sometimes. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and you'll see if if uh, somebody somebody is arrested or involved in a scandal while they're representing the university you attended, that it, you, you take it personally because they're affiliated with your same group. Mm. So basically, the idea is the group is everything, and and the way I see it is that because the focus is so strong on that group, that making a trade means bringing in somebody who's not a member of the group. I don't think it, it bothers so much to get rid of somebody who is in the group, 
mm-hmm. but you're bringing in an outsider and it's sort of like it cuts against the grain of that kind of thinking. Mm. And so what I, I, I believe is that makes it, that basically means trades are carried out when they're absolutely necessary. You know, when it's like the Chinichi Dragon suddenly uh, were short on catchers, so they, they traded for a catcher. Turns out they weren't short on catchers, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, that's another story. <laughs> but, but, you know, of course, and the Nippon Ham Fighters have been stockpiling them like they were, you know, like they were nuclear weapons and they were in a cold in the Cold War. <laughs> and so, you know, they made trades. But we've seen that before. Catchers, uh, particularly with catchers or sometimes players have to move for family reasons. You know, it's like um, very often to do with parents and other things. So they need to play near their parents or where their parents are living or their wife's parents are living or something. So those are generally the reasons trades happen. It's very rare. It's it's basically never, ever because we during the season that we can be better with this player. Mm. Because it's almost always it's never about what you're getting. It's about well, it's about you're getting an outsider who can never be replaced the part of the group that's going to leave. So I think most teams want, you know, ridiculous amounts in return and nobody's going to give it to them. So the trades are always, um, you know, John Doe for John Smith. (laughs) Why you got to pick John? (laughs) Well, um, how come it can't be little Jimmy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, because it's a trick of mine. I got you. But I love the way you explain this because you and I have both been in Japan for a long time. And I came over here with the same mindset. Everyone said this is a group oriented society, but you don't know the dynamic of the group. And everyone, I think when you think group, you think, especially Western people, we think of people sitting around in a circle. And that is just that men, is, and mentally in a circle. And, and the first thing I learned when I came to Japan is that it's always about a pyramid. Sure. <laughs> There's always someone who's has more experience, who's older. It matters how old you are. It matters how you talk to them. It matters how they talk to you. Uh, so, yeah. So to, to, to take a player who has uh, that kind of a, uh, maybe a high uh, obviously you're trading a, a a star player or a player of, of certain value that yeah, player some, has some a, value to the team and they're going like no we don't do that yeah but I'm, my point being that they have they have established a certain status on this team and to mm. bring that player onto another team drops his status or his status becomes murky and he's not sure and the new players are not sure it really disturbs the whole dynamic and the whole understanding of what the team is and and while the player might be really good it's still he still needs to fit in someplace there's you know we've taken a peg out but we took a peg out maybe in a different location now we've got to put this peg in in a in a part of the pyramid that's that's filled so how do we we've got to take something out to put Mm. it in you know it's i think that happens too although i think it tends to be more of that whole group identity it's like you know we've had this case a number of players have have said they wanted to go to mlb and they didn't not because there weren't offers but because they weren't willing to give it time to wait for the offers to you know to to develop for the market to develop to where they had a chance to play 
because they had they had to take care of their team in Japan that they're leaving. They had mm-hmm. to they couldn't, you know, uh, Tor, uh, Takashi Toritani wouldn't. He set a January 15th deadline as a free agent to get a contract because he didn't want the Hanshin Tigers going to camp no, not knowing whether he was going to play for them or not. Sure. And yep. that's that whole group thing. And you see it every time when there's a, a manager wins the, you know, wins the pennant or the Japan series, they'll say it started on February 1st. You know, that's when our group came together. You still see some spring trades. But that they're and that they happen because it's you know the team's still slightly a, a bit of a primordial soup, but pretty much if you're not indoctrinated, if you are indoctrinated, then you're considered a part of the team. And giving up that part of the team and getting an outsider is never a fair trade uh, in the eyes of anybody within the team. Off season, it's a different story, but to some degree. You know, we'll get we'll we're willing to trade for a good player, but I think there's still even in the offseason, you don't you tend not to see big trades. Right. All right. So mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean we could talk about this. This could be its own podcast, but uh yeah, briefly let's touching not, on let's it. Not yeah, do let, that. yeah, let's not do that. And let's uh, make a four seam transition and talk about our top July performers. Mm-hmm. And again, you know my process and I before I looked at all the numbers, I thought, okay, well, in the central league. It has to be Kazuma Okamoto. He's he hits he got hot at the end of the month. He's carried he has carried it into the beginning of uh, August here, and um, you know he's the man. And then I couldn't think of anybody in uh, as a pitcher. No, no one came to mind. Hmm. So I started looking at the numbers, and I saw that uh, Munakami of the Swallows had a really good July, and I thought, oh well. If he hits anything, the people are so they're just the media is just lusting for him to do anything. And he had a pretty decent July. Um, he has had a bad start to the season, and he certainly didn't torment the league with all the homers like he did last year. But I think when all's said and done, uh this season will not be an abject failure in his stats. It's he's gonna put together a credible season and it's gonna be fine. Uh, just not not a triple crown season and not a MVP season, but I think he's going to be okay numbers wise. He's going to have a bunch of home runs. He already does. Um, but um, so anyway, for me, uh, I, you know, it was Okamoto, and then I I, I couldn't think of anybody else. And um, I, I, I'm looking at the numbers even now, and I'm uh, I'm not convinced of the 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 guys they have at the top here that they should be the winners, but. Uh, the the players I see include uh, uh, Yuki Okabayashi of the Dragons, who hit 382 and scored a bunch of runs, and uh, I have a bunch of runs for the in Dragons Land. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I had to put it into context. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but hasn't really done that much. And then you have Takaya Ishikawa, also the Dragons, hit 364. He, you know, he knocked in 10 runs. Uh, he hit five homers. He, he did pretty well. And and then you got Yohei Oshima of the Dragons. These Dragons guys hit a bunch of hits, but they still didn't score runs or win games. It's really ridiculous. And uh, but there at number five is is Murakami, and he has an OPS of 1,036. And uh, Ishikawa's OPS is 1,103, so his is higher. 
1,103. So I don't know. What do you got? I had those two. I had uh, Ishikawa or Murakami. Uh, you know, either one of them. You know, pick them. Uh, Murakami led the Central League in home runs and RBIs. Yeah, seventeen. Was RBIs. second in OPS. Um, I, I, I think he he had a terrific uh, month. On if Ishikawa won it, you know, good for him. I, you know what I <laughs> nope. think? What? I think the Okabayashi with the three eighty two and the thirty four hits. Oh, because they care it. about how many hits guys have. I don't I forget, know I what they care about. That. I don't know, no, but I but that's that's one of the. <laughs> but you know, he hit 382. I mean, he hit close to 400. No, I mean when hit. you read Japanese baseball stories about stats, they pay attention to how many hits guys got. I mean, in like in the month or in the week, or I'm going, yeah, like, well, like yeah, okay, yeah. And he's, <laughs> I, he's a leadoff guy. He's gonna get you know if he has a decent season and all, he's gonna get more opportunities to get these hits, and he's gonna. He's gonna get him if he's having a good season. So I don't know. I I, I would like to say he gets it, but I look you you it's it's Yahtzee here. I mean, we got three dragons up there, and everybody thinks the dragons are terrible. Nobody deserves anything because they can't score runs, except once know, in a while. Once in a week. One last month. So. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So uh, yeah. But Okamoto was nowhere to be seen on this list. I was quite surprised i'm gonna go with uh, i'm gonna say well, yeah, gets if, it. if yeah. you put it if you if you if you were thinking about july and you confused it with this week he's already yes. won the player <laughs> of the month for this, august for august yes <laughs> so but he got hot at the end of july it just he just didn't have a big a big beginning what about pitcher in the central league uh i've got to show i've got two and one one guy who's gonna win and one guy who should win the guy okay. who's gonna win is gonna be Iori Yamasaki. I agree. Of the Giants, four no one point nine one ERA. But I think the guy who should win is Shoti Managa. It was two and zero in three starts, with a zero point seven eight ERA. Led the and he led the Central League in ERA and strikeouts in three starts. I'm going, yeah, yeah. That's the guy I want. Not not. I mean, I like Yamasaki. Um, I like him. As much as uh, Tatsunori Hara likes to criticize him, and uh, <laughs> but no, that's that's he he you know if he wins, I'm okay with that. But I would prefer Imanaga. It's just me. Yeah, I, I think I like I said, no one came to mind. So when I looked at these names at the beginning, I'm like, what, what? And then I saw Yamasaki, and I'm like, really? Because this was a total shock to me he he won these games but i i don't know that i could credit him for i mean i could credit other things i i remember some guys making some fantastic plays behind him i remember the umpires well, he, giving him he some depends favorable a lot calls. he depends a lot on uh, he depends a lot on the kindness of strangers yes yeah <laughs> the kindness of of people of uh of acquaintances as well and friends i mean everyone you help me out here so not as gone with the wind yeah I, like i said the umpires were helping him his, his defense behind him was helping him he pitched fine uh i think he's gonna win it just on the strength of the four wins and that's kind of that but i that was out of nowhere i didn't even realize he had four wins well they do give it to guys i'm mean, like you know six seven years ago when they wouldn't give it to i remember that that one shohei otani month in which he had a like at a 0. 0.2 ERA. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't even zero. It was, you know, 0. 0.009 or something. And he was 2-0 and with two shutouts in four starts. And 
you wouldn't win it because they never gave it to starting pitchers who didn't win more than two games. So they gave Thank it to you. a guy with a 3.5 ERA who went three and one. Thank you for so, playing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Here's your, here's your, 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 uh, your rice crackers, your, your home. Here's your home version of uh, NPB losers. <laughs> losers of the month. All right. Uh, what about hitter for the Pacific League? Who do you have? And do you have I, a funny story to go along with this one? Because I, I uh, hold on a second. Oh no, I only got one guy. Although actually, okay, I have one guy, but I have an honorable mention. The the one guy is is obvious. Um, Hidato Asamura. Man led, on fire. <laughs> yeah, he was indeed. He led the PL in runs, RBI, slugging percent. You name it. <laughs> Frozen. Throw out an honorable mention to Oryx having a batting average over 250 and Kenya Wakatsuki don't normally go in the same sentence. I know, but he's he's uh, on fire number two. <laughs> he was. But, uh, you know, he had a July that basically would have been a very good season for him. <laughs> three home runs and you know i think he had about 11 sure. rbis and i'm going this is this is the you know he normally gets like five home runs a year 14 rbis so you know that's a good month that's a good year in july i i see him with five rbis but yeah he he, he yeah. had a thousand ops or over a thousand rp ops and got on base a bunch and and even yeah, he had a absolutely couple doubles, demolished. So. Uh, I think it was. I don't remember one team he went into. A, I think it was the. It wasn't the fighters he demolished, or it may have it, but it might have. Maybe it was the Hawks. He just. You know, they they thought they they thought wow when did you guys trade for Murakami from the Swallows to catch yeah, well, for you? Well, the interesting thing about Wakatsuki is is he hit four hundred. He had twenty two hits, but only five RBIs. <laughs> and he had three of three of them came on home runs. He hit three mm-hmm. home runs, so he didn't get any production. But yeah, I think yeah, but they were big hits too. I know, I know. One of the like one of those little singles that he drove in a run was was a game winner. Yeah, I know he had two game winners towards the end of the month, uh, the last week of the month, that were back to back days. And I'm going, who is this guy? Who took yeah. you know who? What alien you know? What aliens abducted the orcs catcher and placed him with a guy who could hit? I know I'm, I'm with you, but uh, you know, Asamura with the 34 hits, uh, just incredible oh, yeah. month, and he's going to walk away with the honorable mentions. I want to give to okay. two guys, teammates, Yuki Yanagita and Kensuke Kondo, mm. the, both of the SoftBank Hawks. Both of them hit over 340 for a Kondo team hit, that couldn't score. It was for a team that can't score and can't win, and and they've got two guys, and and Kondo his OPS was over a thousand, a thousand forty three. So they, they just had a lot of bad luck. Uh, but um, yeah, and they couldn't score, so that's a problem. What about pitcher? Uh, Locke Tatsuya Imai of the Cebu Lions. Yeah, and you mentioned him earlier in the show. Yeah, he <laughs> went three and zero, which was the best record in the Pacific League with the best ERA in the Pacific League, zero point six two. And they'll probably go, "Geez, I'll bet he'd pitch better with shorter hair." <laughs> or wait, yes, because my, we know that's hair. my inner Wayne Grassic. That's my <laughs> inner Wayne Grassic talking. Oh, yeah, he looks well. like a grunge. Yeah, well, uh, the the He's 80s band, the 80s band. I'm putting him and uh, his buddy Kona Takahashi in is is a band called White Lion. So you guys can look that oh, up. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, the the White Lion. Well, because they're lions, <laughs> not anything that they, they don't look anything like the guys in the band. It's just that 
they play for the Lions, and there was a band called White Lion. So oh, that, that's I it. didn't know that. So, that's okay. it. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think it's Imai too. And and I looked at the numbers, and I was surprised to see him up there. Now I knew he had pitched well. And the thing about him is, I like to say is, I remember when he came up, and they said, okay, this is the guy who's going to be their ace in the future, and blah blah blah. And this, I mean, it was looked like a stick man out there throwing the ball. Well, Takahashi wasn't much better, and now he looks like Hulk Hogan. Sure, sure. And now the guy has filled out, and he has well, learned to pitch. Yeah. He has learned it. Well, I mean, filled out for him. He's still yeah, exactly. He's still, thin, he's but, still skinny, I mean, yeah. But he he's he's bringing a little bit a little bit more meat on that burger, and yeah. um, he's called pencil pitch. neck no more. <laughs> he has learned how to pitch, and he's learned how to locate consistently, and he looks good out there. So I'm really impressed. Uh, early on, I was not impressed with him, but uh, certainly if, if Takahashi, I, I, we know that he would like to go to the States and pitch at some point, uh, it looks like Imai can step in and, and be the number one guy. And that bodes well for the Lions. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this is, I mean, the other guys, uh, we could talk about them, but they're not they're not coming close. And no. uh, uh, Imai dominated the whole, uh, even Boki Sasaki, he, Sasaki won a couple games, but and had a bunch of strikeouts as he usually does but uh yeah i think we're going to go yeah with, he would have uh, been uh he he had a month that might have won him the award if it um, you know if somebody had not paid, had a month of imai's caliber so sure sure all right so i'm looking at the time here and i and i know we promised to get into some high heat but i don't think we have time i do want to mention that we're probably going to talk about uh, Yohei Oshima of the Dragons pretty soon here because he's coming up on 2,000 hits and it looks like he's another little hitting machine who's <laughs> going to wipe this. He's going to get to 2,000 hits before we might be able to talk about it because he has really been hitting well. So we do have a question uh, from our buddy Glenn in Tokyo that we'll mm. get to next week. And Thanks, we Glenn. will be, yeah, thank you, buddy. And we will be getting, uh, to talk about Oshima and, uh, hopefully it's, I think he would, he had a few hits today or a couple hits today. I think he's 17 away or 16 away from two, 2000. Yeah, like hear this, he... Well, they're playing against the Swallows tomorrow. They could, he could get it tomorrow. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> high heat. <laughs> they've been they've been throwing BP. Actually, that's harsh. I mean, they 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 had they. I, I didn't see I didn't see see Saturday's game, but Friday's game. It was like harsh. Doesn't even begin to explain that. Well, no, it was it was one of those one. It's like it was one of those ones where you're going like, how did he hit that? How did that ball drop? <laughs> it's like, oh, there's another one. And then after that, it was like, just just watch out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's uh, fast approaching 2000. So we'll be able to talk about him and what his career means. So we'll do that next week. Uh, anyone else who has a question? Like I said, Glenn is on deck. Uh, we are waiting to hear from you at JBW Podcast on Twitter with the hashtag High Heat. You can send questions and MP3s because we love to get those from your smartphone we real do. easy to make. Uh, send that to yakyujohn at gmail.com or you can go to the Facebook page, leave us a message there. Look for us on iTunes and Google Podcasts. We will talk to you next week. Stay cool and enjoy your baseball. See you at the ballpark. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at JBallAllen. And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag HighHeat. Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly.